Blog Talk Radio. Urban Glory Radio. Simply Glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Knowing that this is the day that you have made, we rejoice and are glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and guide to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as we make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And, Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified in Jesus' precious name. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything that made um, that was made. In him was the life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness to the, of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but sent there to bear witness of that light, that, the, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He came into the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I want to discuss this month and open up a discussion and dialogue on the uncommon life, the uncommon life. We'll begin this trek by discovering an insight um, found in the Gospel of John the Gospel of John. It's important that every discussion that we shape bases upon uh, a, a, a passage in the Scripture that provokes us our attention. And tonight we want to launch this teaching in the study of finding the uniqueness discovered through Christ, the uniqueness discovered through Christ. It is the Lord Jesus Christ which brings emphasis to our passion, our persistence, and our, our principles that we discuss on, on life itself. And it is for that life that provokes this study that we need to, as children of God, manifest our nature as the sons of God. And in this teaching, my goal and my effort is simply to manifest the motivation needed to embody the reality of you being identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Gospel of John focuses on the Christ factor of Jesus, the intangible sanctioning and identifying him as the Son of God, the source of salvation, and the ultimate sign as Savior of the world. 
when it comes to contrasting themes that differ from the synoptic gospel, its emphasis are not discovered in other passages in other books. Only found, it is only found in the Lord Jesus. And it is the defense of God's spirit that sets apart its preeminent knowledge base on the reflection of the image that produces this lifestyle that the Gospel of John suggests. Many scholars commit to comment on its uniquenesses in its interpreting the life pattern of the Lord Jesus. And the Gospel, in a nutshell, can be categorized in three lenses of understanding to which we will provoke our whole case study on. And, and that is the emphasis that engages us into the study of sonship. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God and their heirs according to the promise. And this is the um, this is this is this lens of understanding is awakened through the love of God, the light of God, and the life of Christ. John offers a, uh, uh, his goodness or the good, the goodness theme message around these themes: the love of God, the light of God, and the life of Christ. And for that reason, we're going to spend the rest of this lesson. Indulging into the scriptures as it relates to the love of God, the light of God, and the life of Christ. It is, it is this knowledge base that develops um, our, uh, our inspiration to awaken to the factor of life that Jesus died for so that we could experience true Christianity in, a in an entire different outlook from academic study. The gospel, of the gospel, the word gospel means good news, and the good news is concerning Jesus, the Son of God. It is given into us uh, through four writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And although um, they are about one gospel, one message, they, they bring four different emphases. One gives preparation, another one gives manifestation, the other ones give appropriation and consummation. But in looking at this particular gospel, we get revelation on the love of God, the light of God, and the life of Christ. Now, all of this awakens a uniqueness in us. That uniqueness identifies that we are one with God, that we are one with his son, and that we are one through his spirit. And it is that oneness that we have an uncommon touch, an imprint that is intangible on our hearts, on our understanding, on our, on our core being, that God is God. God is with us. God is in us. God is for us. And therefore, who can be against us? And it is this gospel message that we must remind ourselves of occasionally as we continue to become and to embody and to promote living the life which Jesus died. Jesus said he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I want to ask a question. What is so uncommon about Christianity? It's amazing to me how the world and secular society often numbs and, and try to disprove the relevancy of Christianity. Yet in all its trite attempts to camouflage their survival in secular humanism, Christianity still confronts them with the courageousness of Christ's cross. 
And we, as believers, must know why. There are common myths to Christianity that must be disproved in our life, and the only way we we can disprove it is when we connect to God from hearing about God to being one with God. And then we not only connect but develop convictions that convert us, and then we also cast our cares on Christ so that he could care for us. But there are common myths to Christianity. Number one is the conversion religious myth. It's the belief, uh, it is the belief that is, uh, establishes Christianity as a set of beliefs to adhere to only from life lessons about Jesus. That in itself is a myth. There's more to Christianity to then adhering to a set of norms or rules or standards. It is a way of life. Number two is the cultural myth, that the convictions of Christianity are virtually irrelevant to culture, and its convictions lack uh, conversions. And, and as a result, this, myth of cult, this cultural myth of irrelevancy is now shaping the perspectives of young people uh, falsely, deluding them from the real constructs that keeps us in control. And let me tell you something. Even on the church's worst day, the church will always hold consequences of the earth in the core of their heart. For God gave Jesus, and Jesus gave the church so that all would come into the knowledge of the truth. And thirdly, there's a character myth that the lifestyle of Christ is virtually impossible. These myths are what are common to man. It's the common attacks. If you look at how the world attempts to discard us, it discards us over, over, over through uh, a conversion myth, a cultural myth, or a character myth. But for those solutions, there remains a lens of understanding that engages us into our sonship through the love of God, the light of God, and the light of Christ. Let's go into the word. In, in our point number one, the love of God, it is God's unconditional love that becomes the theme of the gospel. It is God's motive. It is God's method. It is God's mindset concerning humanity. And it presents what is good for man. Christ is presented as God's love manifested toward us to experience what it means to be a part of the family of God and to function also in the power of God. In, in John 3.16, we see that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting, hear this word, life. In the life, in God, in Jesus contains the life that God had intended for us to live. And if we believe on him, we will not perish but have an everlasting life. 
In 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, it says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And in this was manifested the love of God toward us, because God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And herein is love, not that we love God, but that God, hallelujah, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be appropriation, an appropriation for our sins. So not only do we see that Jesus embodies the life that God intended us to live, but Jesus sets the standards of how we should live apart from our sins. He sets the example as the right way of living. Now, in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access. Now, here faith is qualified through the love of God. It is also qualified through the life of the Lord Jesus. And, and, it, is, and it is through that access through Jesus Christ, we have access into the grace wherein we stand. And we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. Not, and not only so. But we glory in tribulations, the things that we go through, knowing that tribulation works as what? Patience. Patience is a high quality of character and patience experience. We begin to see how God sees and then experience hope. And hope maketh us not ashamed because, this is why, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts and it introduces someone else by the Holy Ghost, which is given us, given unto us. For where when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure a good man for some, um, some who would even dare to die. But God commandeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. So there's a uniqueness in the Lord Jesus Christ that awakens God's love toward us so that we can experience this life that he came for us to have. And until we come in contact with the love of God, this love that gives us everlasting life, this love that causes us uh, to overcome sin, this love that also causes us to experience faith and grace and, and patience and experience and hope all in him in due time. This love that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ, if it's not discovered, then this life is not so uncommon. What is so uncommon about our life? We have uniquenesses that are discovered in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to prove to you tonight. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6 says, We having confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you, and that the Lord will direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Now, this must not be talking about Jesus, but it must be talking about what he possessed. Christ is not Jesus' last name, but it is indicative of the spirit in which he possessed, the qualities in which makes him who he was. It's the imprint of God's will on his heart that is manifest through the actions of, of, that he displayed on the earth and gave as a standard for us to achieve and to manifest in our living. For to live 
mm, is Christ, and to die is gain. Don't you want to know how to live? Every once in a while, we as Christians must not become complacent in the message and the relevance of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of Christ that is the power of God unto salvation. It is that gospel that empowers us to live a life that is so meaningful and so different from the world that it propels and promotes us declaring and the proclamation of the gospel to every man that would hear. And that when the the time would come, once it's spoken, they would say, what must I do to be saved? It's the uncommon life. It's more than a message. It's a manifestation of who we really are. And this is the thing that unlocks our sonship, our connecting of humanity and divinity to experience a quality of life that this world has never known. It is the uncommon life. Now, also, in 1 John chapter 3, it says, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death, but whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his own life for us. And we ought to lay down ourselves for the brethren. But who, whoso hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother have a need, and shutteth up the bowels of compassion from, from him, how doth the love of God dwell in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. It is the love of God that promotes the life of God. And the love displays this life in deeds and truth. Hmm. It is the uncommon touch that makes God different from any other God presented on the platform and the stage of society. It is the love of God that displays that we display vividly in our vocations and in our our voices of convictions that shows the world that we are truly united with a greater cause than what they see from day to day. Evil is present, but where evil is it cannot sh- it cannot sustain itself in the capacity and the characterized steps of people that love God, that love God with all their heart, their, hope, their, their soul, and their strength, that love God, uh, and that their love is shown in their behavior. Their love is shown in their beliefs, and they're shown, they're shown in their body by their daily commitment. Mm. Hallelujah, to display that love to people that they see. How can you love God whom you don't see if you can't display that same love to people that you do see? Hallelujah. So we all 
must come into this awareness that God loves connects us to God's identity and that God's love cleanses us to live a indirect fellowship with him. And God's love confirms us to the image of Christ through the compassion that we have toward others. And that God's love creates a need for salvation for the world to fulfill the plan of God through mankind. And that God's love causes the sacrifices of Christ's cross to become a relevant message in our display of his love to others, to others. It is God's love that makes a unique discovery through Christ. Our second point for the evening is that God's love also provokes God's light, the light of God, the light of God. In John chapter 3, verses 17 through 21, it says, For God sent not his own Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth is not, is, is, is not condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doth evil hateth the light neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth the truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought or created in God. Here we see that God's light is a source of God's power to know what he wants and how he wants it. It stimulates the insight to belief in the realities and the truths that show his perspective and outlook on what he's committed to in his heart and in his mind. And as, and as we see this as, as a, a relevant source to connect to God, it involves our affairs, and we become more aware of him and his involvement as we embody that light in our spirit to guide us and direct our steps in attaining the power of God that transforms us into the greater images in, uh, into the greater image, which is the Lord Jesus Christ's nature. It is what the Lord Jesus desires us to be. It is what Jesus prayed for, the light of God. John chapter 12, verses 35 through 37 says that Jesus, then Jesus said unto them, Ye, yet in a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whether he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be children of the light. These things spake Jesus and depart, departed, and he hid himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. Mm. Isn't it amazing? how the scripture depicts that the light as a window, a period of time in which we can see clearly, or it can reveal what is hidden in darkness as a means to attain greater insights to realities and truth. 
That's what the knowledge of God's approval and disapproval does to us. It enlightens us. It enlightens us to the power of his word, to the witness of Jesus' nature, and to the importance of walking like Jesus walked. It asks the question, what would Jesus do? And also, how would he want us to do as he did? The light of God is not guaranteed to all. It is the knowledge of the light that brings everyone that believes to the forefront of society. This baffles the pondering of the secular perspective that beliefs can in turn translate to behavior. And those behaviors can set a bar of right, absolute truth, absolute witness, absolute absolutes in the earth. It is our beliefs that awakens this light that connects us to transform us, to display this light, not only in the atmosphere of truth and transparency, but as a great treasure to the Lord as, as we talk and walk out our salvation practically and professionally and privately and prophetically. God expects this light to spark an awareness that we serve as the example. Romans Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 14 says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law, and, and that knowing the time, that it is now high time to awake out of the sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. That night is far spent, and that the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light, and let us walk honestly, and as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering or wantingness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So now this light then sparks itself as an armor in us. Glory to God. And that, that armor awakens us to put on Jesus Christ as our identity. Here we see that the light of God creates the knowledge that only God can reveal. It changes our perspective on the outlook of life itself. It challenges us to walk and align our actions uh, to the life of God and to the life of Christ that cannot be denied. It characterizes our integrity with truth revealed only by the Holy Spirit. And it charts our belief system to trust in the working of the Holy Spirit. 
that reveals truth through the light. The light of God and the love of God will then display the life of Christ. All of what Jesus displayed and dialogued and delivered was this, the will of God. God's intent locked in characteristics that should be awakened in our hearts to connect to these intents as a way of escape from the eternal and external pollutions of the world. The Gospel of John reveals greater revelations of Jesus. And I conclude by you admonishing you to reflect on the first 18 verses of the first chapter of this Gospel. In that, we see that as we reflect on this gospel, there are no accounts of Jesus' transfiguration or appointing of his disciples. There are no parables in this passages of Scripture. There are no accounts of his ascension. There is no revelation of the Great Commission. Yet only in here do we see that God, that the Word of God is a creative force, and that through Jesus he is the begotten of the Father, the Lamb of God, the revelation of the great I Am. In that great I Am, we see that he is the bread of life, the light of the world, the one that was before Abraham. He, he was the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life, and the true vine. We see miracles manifested through him. That he, he looked over that these signs would occur to where the, the, the books of the Bible could not contain, where he turned water into wine, he healed the noble man's son, he healed the man at Bethesda, he fed the 5,000. Walking on the water, he healed the blind man, and he raised Lazarus from the dead. Here we see Jesus as a means to identify our lives with, that we would embody that nature to become the sons of God. And in becoming in the sons of God, we learn the way of salvation, the walk of faith, the relevance of the word, and more importantly, the way of life. God expects of us to have five things in our clothes, and we'll continue in the next successive lessons. God first wants us to grow into the nature of Christ. And then not only grow, he wants us to guard our heart. The Bible tells us in Proverbs to guard our heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. The true life of God is the heart, for as a man thinketh, in his heart, so is he. Our identity is shaped by our heart state. And we must learn to embody in our heart the guard that only God gives. That is his nature. That is characteristics, his intent. When we love what he loves and we hate what he hates. And then not only are we must depend on God to grow us, to guard our heart, we must then accept the gospel as relevance, accept it as relevance. And when we set the gospel as relevance, we can then embody godliness. 
we can be identified with the cause of the gospel that uh, points to the relevance of the Lord Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. And in that, we'll experience his goodness perpetually on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I feel like I've opened up a dialogue that I could not finish because ultimately the resolve to this teaching is to connect to you deeper and more meaningful than ever before. Let your will be so enthroned and engrossed in our hearts that not only what we say awakens through our diligence to seek you, but also what we do will manifest wonders on the earth through your love, through your light, and through your life. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Would you repeat after me? I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised Jesus from the dead. I thank God for the work that he did for me at Calvary. If you said that, you're saved. Connect with us on our prayer line. Um, give us some information. Find out where you can get more information on this walk of faith. And I trust that your life will never be the same in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that the, that the heavens are open, not only for to us to externally accept you, but to internally connect with you by the Holy Spirit. So I pray not only that they are sealed to the day of redemption, but they are also spirit-filled in your nature by your spirit in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'm out of time. Thank you for listening to the broadcast. God bless you, and good night.